Welcome back to another installment of Real Good Movies. What was I going to say? Oh, it's episode number five. How could I forget? <laughs> we made it this far. So we're going to we're gonna take a second here to look back on our previous five episodes. Like a... Four deep. And that's how many views our last episode has. So... <laughs> And that's it. That's that's all they're getting. So okay, I uh, thought there would be like some like fanfare music, and then like a little like uh, I don't know, like a movie projector like uh, noise. And yeah, no, I, I've added that clip. in post production. <laughs> little clips of our greatest moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, five weeks later, as episode five, we decided to go with Knives Out. Yes, a movie you said you have not seen before. Yeah, I haven't seen it up until right now. So this is the the first movie you're watching for the first time. So you you don't have uh, any impressions. Uh, except we'll, we'll get to those as we go go throughout the uh, the talk. Basically, Knives Out it's it's just a whodunit mystery thriller from the mind of Ryan Johnson of Star Wars fame. We'll get to that. Uh, we follow Marta Benoit Blanc and the Thromby family as they unravel the threads and solve the murder of Harlan Thromby. This film is to me it's one of the better like whodunit mystery thrillers that I've ever seen. How does it stack up in your opinion? Very good. He did a wonderful job with this. The writing's great. The acting's great. Nothing's gonna hold a candle to Clue. Sorry. But <laughs> no, that's it, fair. no joke either. Uh, I love Clue, but this is as far as I can think, this is second place. Absolutely. Yeah, I'm not a big uh, Agatha Christie fan. I don't actively go looking for the the whodunit genre movies, but I, st- I stumble on them from time to time. Uh, I think it was Murder on the Orient Express came out not too long ago. That's the kind of stuff uh, I have to compare it to. So um, well, yeah, watching it the first time, what were your initial uh, takeaways, I guess? I really liked it a lot. I liked the fact that uh, it didn't have that huge plot twist, um, you know, that pretty much all the cards were laid out. Uh, in front of us and and we didn't have to backtrack too much on everything to, to get what happened and, and everything like that. I, I can't appreciate that after seeing, you know, that the style of this kind of movie and just uh, movies in general has to have that plot twist now. It was nice that that it didn't have that. It was nice. The big ensemble cast was great. Mm-hmm. Casting some really interesting choices here. Not yes, maybe yes, the most. Yeah, uh, most of the movies we've talked about so far, we've talked about all these perfect castings and this and this. This one is a little different. It's got some really interesting choices, and I appreciate those choices. It's cool. It was a really cool, fun movie. I enjoyed it all the way through. Yeah, it's it's a great, uh, almost a, a twisted family drama. Um, if you like that kind of thing, you like being a fly on the wall to some really, really interesting family drama. It's one of those. The references to Clue in that movie are, you can see it. You can see the influence of Clue and, and mm-hmm. other, you can see the influence of those movies in that genre in this movie. Yeah, definitely. There's, there's a lot of that influence there's a lot of uh, it's pretty straightforward uh and and it's homage to to those things which is fine um I really like the fact that it's, you know, maybe the pitch for this or, or if I had to pitch this to a studio, if this was my original idea and I had yeah. to pitch this out there to, to be picked up, I, I would say it's the Royal Tenenbaums crossed with Clue. That's, <laughs> that's what it is. The family is kind of the same, not the same, but, you know, you have that mm. that, that big family, you know, with, with the with the father at the center, yep. you know, and, and everybody's a it's larger than life character. So mm-hmm. it's. It's a lot like the Royal Tenenbaums to me. Yeah, it's a good, that's a good call out. I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. I've obviously seen the Royal Tenenbaums, but I didn't really put that those those together. And it's it's good that you watching it for the first time, you you snap to those. I think I actually watched the Royal Tenenbaums after Knives Out. So oh, okay. yeah, they're very good at uh, throwing all of that in the mix and, 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 and making it one great 
great film. This is the second mega cast, like you said, essentially the second mega cast that we're doing. But this one's a little different. How did you feel about the cast of characters uh, and who they picked? Um, I really liked them. I I liked what everybody brought to the table here. I thought it was it was weighted pretty well, pretty equal. I felt like there was a good mix of underutilization of of certain actors and characters yeah. in contrast to to what they utilized. I get why they would utilize Chris Evans as much as they did. I personally probably wouldn't have made that choice uh, given the character and the way he was written, but it's see why you know you have somebody that highly build you want to utilize them as much as possible i i liked the cast a lot with the exception of and i'll probably say her last name wrong okay tony collette or tony coletti i'm not sure oh tony collette okay yeah i'm, I'm honestly uh and, and this is just a personal bias i'm not a fan of hers okay something about her rubs me the wrong way i don't like hereditary either so um okay. so no, i'm just not not a fan but yeah, <laughs> um there's there's not any uh great reason you know her acting chops aren't off uh i really did uh, also probably didn't really enjoy the way the character was written um something about that uh now i can't think of the uh actress's yeah. name at all so jamie lee curtis yeah, G- no no gwyneth paltrow uh, oh the, yeah the kind of real life gwyneth paltrow that they're going for with that character a little bit yes um, you're a good good great reference great yeah reference. Uh, i thought maybe that was a little too over the top for what we were going for in this movie but um but other than that it, it was a lot of fun that was the only uh yeah. casting choice i was a little questionable on i noticed that the cast of this movie is like lesser known celebrities not mm-hmm. not lesser known because we talked about jamie lee curtis and the legend she is but she's not been in anything major or worth talking about in years yeah i mean you have somebody coming off doing like a star wars film you would think they could get the the highest a-list actors and actresses to do anything they want and sure. and they kind of go with with some interesting casting choices other than yeah. like i said chris evans i mean that's that's an obvious choice now my one. i was gonna say i have that uh, point that he's the biggest star in this movie uh you could make the argument for daniel craig as well sure. but i think you know coming off of captain america in the same year that endgame comes out you are arguably the biggest star in the world yeah and and of course you and i have expressed our admiration for james bond movies and, yeah. and james bond in general i don't know we haven't talked about where we stand on daniel craig as james bond and and sure. we don't have to right now for any reason but uh you could definitely say that in the year that this came out which was 2019 okay in 2019 uh Captain America is much bigger than James Bond. I, I, I hugely, <laughs> hugely coming from like a, a, a big a lifelong James Bond fan. I absolutely agree that Captain America can't really be outshined. Um, but then there's odder choices like Tony Collette and mm-hmm. Michael Shannon, who isn't in enough thing. I yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and I have some notes on him that I'll get to a little bit yeah, later on, but, absolutely. Uh, but yeah. And he, also he a great contrast there, Tony Collette and, and Michael Shannon. I yeah. feel like he shines throughout this thing and she, yeah takes a, a weird back seat that I didn't expect her to. So yeah. Yeah. Don Johnson shows up. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a big role in this movie and it's, it's an interesting cast. It's so, so complex and all these characters, they can be character actors and they, they almost try to outshine each other in this movie. Again, interesting that you point that out. We take something like the Royal Tenenbaums where we no. have, I'm not going to be able to sit here and recite the entire cast of that off the top of my head. But sure. Ben Stiller, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow, uh, whoever else is in that movie. <laughs> I can't think of it. But, yeah, um, they all uh, are are huge actors. Uh, what Owen Wilson is, is in yeah, that? Yeah, Owen or, and Luke okay. Wilson are. Yeah, and, and Luke. Okay. Um, but anyways, uh, you know, at that point in time, 
huge, gigantic actors, and they're up against one another, and they have equal amounts of dialogue, monologues, uh, screen yep. time. You know, it's it's split pretty evenly, and this is this is cut up a lot different than that, which I appreciate. I like that they didn't go for that same thing. I'm not saying that the Royal Tenenbaums is in any way mm. um, an inspiration for this, but I feel like they do kind of fit into the same uh, club there. So. Yeah, this movie you have to balance that family drama that is very very interesting and pivotal part of this movie. Mm-hmm. And mix it with a, a whodunit where you got to slowly unravel this. It's like oil and water. You got frantic family drama with the will and whatnot, and you got the 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 whodunit that you got to slowly unravel because if you unravel that shit too fast, no, you know it's it's too much too fast. So yeah. it's a healthy balance, and that's what this movie gives us. Yeah, absolutely. It's takes. It's not by any means like a slow burn. Uh, we. Yep we know what's going on pretty soon in the movie. Whereas I feel like if somebody else wrote this screenplay, those twists would definitely be in there and there would be a, a major twist towards the end of the film and, and mm-hmm. all of that, which this, you know, maybe has some smaller ones along the way, but not anything major like that. But uh, it, it's set up pretty perfect in, in what it does. And, and for it to be the big hit that it was, uh, I feel like that wouldn't have come across the same way if, if, if it was set up any differently. That's a very, 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 very good point. Let me see here. Do you have any notes written down? Anything you wanted to, to cover? Um, you said Michael Shannon at some point. Yeah. Uh, you know, the only real like side notes that I have, how much I really liked that opening shot. I, I just like to say how much I appreciate the opening of this film, how we have all those quick cuts that, that run along with the score um, that we're setting up really the environment that we're in. We're in this mansion and we're, uh, we talk about Wes Anderson about Royal Tenenbaums again and again uh, that we, that I've mentioned 20 times in the first 10 minutes of this uh, podcast here. But, <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> It's a great mixture of those things that are around the mansion that build this world that we're in that that really showcase this family that helped build that with the score, yep. with the quick cuts and everything. I, I really appreciated that a lot, the hard cuts in, in unison with the score here. It, it's one of the best ways I've ever seen an environment introduced. Yeah. Uh, like you said, the, the quick cuts show this mansion. Uh, and what's more mysterious than a mansion? It's where all like the big haunted house movies, the, the clue takes place, you know, in these big mansions. And it's to open with the, with the murder sets the tone of the movie. You know what's going to happen, and you kind of know what you're in for. And it passes the five minute rule, which is a very very valuable thing when you're watching movies. Yeah, absolutely. Knowing, I, I'll give you, you know, my quick uh, history on it here. Uh, you mentioned us watching this movie and then talking yep. about it. I've heard the name Knives Out a million times. I know a couple of the cast members, and that was really my knowledge of the movie. I knew nothing about it at all. Uh, I was almost kind of, for some reason, uh, I have no idea why, thinking it was going to be like a kick-ass type of thing or something. Maybe not a superhero thing, but you know, something along those lines. Uh, I wasn't expecting a murder mystery in the style of, of Clue or anything like that. To have it open the way that it did, um, and then to be completely ignorant of what a movie is going to be going into it, have it open that way, see the cast, see uh, uh, Hannah Baker (laughs) pop up on screen (laughs) beginning there. Um, And all of that, I I was very interested to see what was going to come next in in almost every moment of this movie. So I could really appreciate that. And it was, it was a lot of fun. So yeah, some would, someone rag on this movie maybe might seem too talky. Mm -hmm. Uh, If if you, if you, I guess know what I mean. 
a lot of dialogue in this movie and in a murder mystery movie like this you have to unravel exposition we can be spoon fed a little bit but you have to have characters explain um do you think you'd agree with this a little too talky or no i was fine with the amount of dialogue to tell you the truth i did like how i again like it's kind of a weird setup to me um but i definitely could appreciate the fact that they framed it in a way where it was an investigation with the police and the detectives and, and whatnot. And everybody almost had a little reason to lie. Everyone almost had this little bit of motive. Um, yes. Even though it was going to be spelled out for us a couple of scenes later, yeah. the way that they set that up and then continued to have that unravel was nice. Uh, I feel like the dialogue or the amount of uh, dialogue or the amount of writing didn't bother me and didn't hinder the film in any way, in my opinion. For sure. I, I didn't mind, honestly. There wasn't really one performance that I was, when that character was on screen, I was like, okay, get him off. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm, I'm done. Um, every every actor did a phenomenal job. I don't think it's too too talky. And when you have a movie like this, you have to be talky. And that's uh, it makes the, the every line of dialogue matter and still be entertaining because of the actors. So in a movie where you're relying on that the conveyance of emotion you have to have really well well trained actors to pull it off yeah and and back to your point i don't think that more silence or more expressive thought or anything would help this in any way i think the amount of dialogue is is pretty perfect here it's pretty spot on it's needed the exposition that we get with the dialogue, especially framed in those initial scenes with the investigation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then later in the, where we see the plot unfold of, of how the murder takes place and everything, the amount of dialogue's good. Can it feel a little unnatural at times? Yeah. But I think that's one of the things that reminded me so much of a Wes Anderson movie of, mm-hmm. of Royal Tenenbaums uh, is it's very whimsical. It's very, uh, it's not written in a way that, people actually talk no but is it that's not always enjoyable to watch so i'm okay with yeah, no i would not want to listen to two, two detectives talk back and forth to each other no <laughs> uh, no that would be boring as hell so you're absolutely right that they add some some creativity to the character spice them up a little bit and we don't ask questions we just yeah don't. sure this has a good amount of comedy to it yes uh, yes excellent amount of comedy um and it I don't know what genre this movie is. I would assume like a, uh, I don't know. <laughs> comedy yeah, thriller, maybe. Exactly. I was hoping that it led with comedy uh, or something. I think like it definitely that. does. And kind of in the same way that Clue does, mm-hmm. you have to be a little campy. You have to be a little comedic with, with something like this. Because when this is played straight, it's a little too boring for me. And I can't watch a straight <laughs> murder mystery it's just not fun for me. No, that's why people watch forensic files and exactly <laughs> those other ones. So there's your answer there. Oh, um, Ryan Johnson, director of obviously The Last Jedi and now Knives Out. Um, what's your opinion on him as somebody who may have seen to is known to have sabotaged Star Wars? <laughs> um, look. I'm going to go ahead and lay that out right here. I think Star Wars has sabotaged itself yep. from the get-go. I love the original trilogy. I'm a huge fan of A New Hope, uh, Jedi and Empire. I think they're almost perfect yep. movies. 
mainly for my nostalgia nostalgia viewing, uh, you know, and not for technical <laughs> reasons. But uh, yeah, but yeah, I I love Star Wars. Once we get out of that and we go to the prequel trilogy, a, a lot of it is garbage, in my opinion. Um, and then some of those, you know, what comes after is a little hard to swallow for me. Uh, so, so that's what I have to say about Star Wars and his involvement in Star Wars. I don't see him as being any reason that Star Wars would be sabotaged. Yeah. Uh, I correct me if I'm wrong because uh, again, I don't have a huge amount of research in this one. Sure. Looper too, right? Looper as well. Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, for sure. So, um, so we had talked about Looper before initially when we first started, uh, corresponding about this podcast, that yes. was, that was going to be one of the first movies we did. And, and we decided to hold off on that, which by the way, I think was the right decision. Yes. Starting uh, with Iron Man was a great <laughs> Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Also, I think it would have been a little hard to uh, break the ice on that one. Um, yeah. but, <laughs> but, but that's a great movie and he did a wonderful job there, uh, I like him as a director. I like him a lot, but I will say that I'm not sure what his thing is in a, in a era where every filmmaker needs a thing. Yes. Um, he's kind of all over the place. He's a little hard to pin down in, in, in what he does and what he's going for. Yeah. And, and that's good. I think that shows a massive amount of range that he can still make these huge movies with large budgets and yeah, for sure. a, a killing and probably some prestigious awards as well. But I don't know what his thing is. I'm not sure what he's going for. Yeah. It's hard to see like what he's going to do next. I try not to look too far into the future because I, I get too excited about certain topics, but mm-hmm. it, you're always interested to see what's Ryan Johnson going to be up to. Yeah. Um, right. So it's, it's interesting. And I think his track record is you know, f- over 50%. He's got a Looper's a good movie. Knives yeah. Out, we we're enjoying so far, Absolutely. but then uh, the Last Jedi just ugh, strikes a bad chord with people. So uh, I have faith, and I, I think I look forward to his stuff. Yeah, I would definitely, especially if if I was just to base it on this and Looper, uh, the stuff that I've seen that I've enjoyed of his, I would definitely want to see what he had coming out next, just sure. based on his name alone. So yeah, I absolutely, absolutely get behind that. He's a smart guy. According to, I forget who it was, but uh, I was reading that the original decision was to have, there's a part where Chris Evans says, eat shit to every family member. Mm -hmm. We'll get to the best scene in a a minute. He read the original script said, fuck you to every character in that room. And then Ryan Johnson decided, Hey, let's, let's scale it back. Let's get a PG 13 rating. Um, and I think that's a sign of a, a good director who knows who knows when to make those changes to benefit the movie. Yeah, absolutely. This would be uh, probably a little bit of a hard sell at an R. I think. Yes. I, I'm I'm not saying you know maybe that a lot of uh, young families were going to see this or anything no, like that. No, but uh, <laughs> I do feel like that would hinder its performance in the box office definitely. Uh, so. Sure. So yeah, a great choice and a great thing that you point out there that I had read that too, but I didn't think about it along those lines. So yeah, yeah it's, it's well played. That's uh, that's pretty much everything. Oh, Nathan Johnson, who did the score for this movie, is actually Ryan Johnson's cousin. Okay. What uh, what did you think about the movie, the score? I think the score plays a really crucial part in these types of movies. Yeah, absolutely. It's it's a great score. It fits very well. It fits the genre very well. Fits these types of movies great. It was it was very nicely done. A very good score. 
I don't know anything else about Nathan Johnson. I don't know what else. Yeah, yeah, neither do I. <laughs> this is only score of the only scores Ryan Johnson movies or, or what, but um, yeah. yeah, he did a wonderful job with this. I guess we can jump to our super special awards. The fifth anniversary of the show, fifth weekly anniversary of the show is now we're going to give out the awards for, uh, I, I decided that because this is a murder mystery, I'm going to do the awards out of order. Okay, I like so that. No one knows what's coming next. I'm a little mysterious. Favorite character slash actor in this movie. Um, it's really tough to to pick one and 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 say that one's my favorite. But uh, Tony Collette's opening monologue in the interview uh, mm-hmm. with the with the police officer. I know you said you didn't really, you know, thought Tony Collette's character was a little much, but just the way she she presented it as this kind of stuck up exactly the character that that was explained to us right so mm-hmm. i think she she probably was my favorite in this show or the, the, this movie i could definitely see where you're coming from there again i i have that little bit of bias or or probably mm-hmm. great amount of bias uh that i really don't like tony collette uh for for whatever reason whatever yeah, reason fair. It, it's just not my favorite actress um <laughs> and, and that's okay not everybody's for everybody i'm yeah. i'm good with her performance here i feel like she does a wonderful job with what she's given um the amount of or or rather the the way that her dialogue is a little clunky for me and and, sure. and the way that her delivery is is kind of clunky i feel like was written that way and she still performed um I think I've talked in the past before about things being a little too convenient or mm. we definitely don't have those plot threads here that are a little too convenient that, that, that I can pull out. But, but some of the dialogue seems a little too convenient. Uh, sure. I, there's one part that took me out for a moment where she uh, mentioned the name of her company flam. And then of course the detective has to go flam. Oh, you mean your skincare company that you're the. Yeah. Yeah. You're right. Okay. I okay. think the movie's a little jokey. The dialogue's a little sure. sketchy. We got that's what we're going for, and I'm okay with that. I just felt like it failed a little bit for me there, and and that's not on her end. That's the writing. Yeah. Um, yeah. What character really stuck with you that you know you questioned the most, or you would just look forward to them on screen? It was Michael Shannon. It, it was yeah. it was Walt Thromby. Uh, I yeah. really liked him a lot. He was so enjoyable. He was kind of an asshole, like. Uh, pretty much everybody else was um oh, for sure but he stood out in this snarky weird way i didn't quite understand him and i've heard a lot of times people have problems with this kind of thing i write the same way uh not that my writing's out there in any capacity you know the way that that this is but yeah i like to take a character and give them one or two little things that really sticks that really makes that character who they are and then just not explain it for any reason whatsoever i love the pain <laughs> i love the, yeah. the look i love I loved him as that. To my knowledge, none of this was explained for any reason. It was just what it was. And and I really appreciate that. I like that a lot. I feel like that offers a lot of nuance. Somebody like myself looks for, whereas a lot of other people get upset by that. You have your Roger Eberts and stuff who would say, "Uh, well, that needs to be explained. So therefore it's one thumbs down or whatever. (laughs) Not to me. I don't need that explained. I like it because it builds that character to me. I it's love a, intrigue in the curious, the mist. Yeah. The mystery to the, this uh, literal mystery movie. It's yeah. Everything about this movie just screams it. And you're right. Um, he, his character really stuck out. He is like, honestly, he's a phenomenal. I can't, 
I, I can't get enough of him. I watched, uh, shoot, one of his earlier roles. Don't remember what it was, but uh, yeah, Michael Shannon, great choice. Jamie Lee Curtis, uh, what did you think of her? She was a lot of fun in this. She was, she nailed her character. She was, I, I feel like she was probably uh, in comparison to to most of the rest of the cast. She probably wasn't on set as much. Uh, she feels quite underutilized here, but. I get why she would be. I feel like somebody up to Jamie Lee Curtis's caliber yeah. might kind of outshine some of these other actors. So, so I was okay with it, but she was a lot of fun. She was a, a great choice for the cast and she did a wonderful job. Yeah. Like I said earlier that it's almost like a, an acting showcase, like who, mm-hmm. you know, the peacocking, I believe is the term. If yeah. I'm not mistaken. Right. So I think that adds to the, uh, the fireworks of the show and, um, one of the characters that popped up in it, and it was like that that old man in this uh, the security, like the surveillance center there outside the uh, mansion. Mm-hmm. It was a really old guy, and I'm like, I'm thinking to myself, I've seen him in a bajillion things. Who is that guy? So it's actually M. Emmett Walsh is his name. I don't know if you if you know who I'm talking about. I'm familiar with the character in the movie, but yeah. as far as the actor, no. I feel like I've seen him in a million different things, but he, he's always one of those. Oh, that guy. kind of deal so uh not my favorite character but uh there's honestly there's a lot to choose from in this movie well there's a lot of outstanding performances as well and and i again like i'll harken back to the fact that we've spoke on this before but uh but we have kind of spoken and i think it's it's kind of an unspoken rule let's not just go in and and go with the main cast every single time that gets a little boring uh they're already showcased so much in the movie uh whatever Let's not pick that uh, Daniel Craig, Benet Blanc. Ben- Benoit, Benoit Blanc. Blanc. <laughs> yeah, I'm calling him a Benoit. Um, Benoit Blanc. Um, and and Marta's character, who, yep. or or I'm sorry, uh, I can't remember the actress's name at all. Anna de Armas. Okay. Uh, <laughs> wonderful. I loved her in this. She was yep. phenomenal in this. I see that she's been in, in, in quite a few other things. I hadn't really picked her out before, but she's stunning. She has these piercing eyes that yeah. I just stare into. And she was a great actress when she, every time she teared up on screen or every time that she went to throw up or anything like that, yeah, she was, she was just, she reeled you in. She was a very intriguing sure. actress. And, and, and I think she did a wonderful job here, but yeah. we try to stay away from just picking top sure. gold every time. So I think to bring it back to those secondary characters and say who that we appreciated their performance, I yes. think it's kind of what we try to do here. At, at least I'm speaking for myself. I'm not trying to speak for you, but uh, I think Michael Shannon did with his role what exactly what you're you're explaining. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100. percent He came in and owned that part and and made me really uh, enjoy and dislike and and like that yeah. character in different <laughs> ways. So so yeah, I I, I liked his performance a lot. Okay, there you go. It's uh, that's decided. Our favorite character actors, Michael Shannon. You win this award. Uh, let's go to recasting. Let's recast some roles. The most I'll, I'll run. I'll, I want to hear yours first because I got a different kind of scenario here. I'll run by you. Okay. Well, I just went with, with my top three. Okay. Large cast. I wasn't going to sit here and try to recast. Yeah, it. As a matter of, <laughs> as a matter of fact, I did that for oceans 11. And then okay. I, I talked so much. I couldn't even get to, you know, the later part of it. So I was like, you know, there's no point in doing that. Let me <laughs> take a couple here. So I went with, and help me pronounce again, 
Benoit block. Okay. Benoit. Yes. Benoit block. I'm going to go back. George Clooney. Oh, I want to see him in that. Uh, <laughs> I, we, we've already heard him do the, the Southern thing. He's, he's a great actor, very charismatic. Uh, in my opinion, a little more charismatic than Daniel Craig, who, who did a wonderful job here, mm-hmm. but uh, I think George Clooney really would have sealed that for me. Uh, so I'd like to see him in that ransom. I would like to see what somebody else does with that part. Now, okay. the the reason that I picked that character out of, uh, again, he's he's one of the biggest stars in this movie. For sure. The Ransom character, I, I liked Chris Evans. He he did great with what he was given. He played the part well. Yeah, he, he did play the part well. He I, I wanted to see a little bit more humor injected in his part. So yeah. so for that reason, I want to see what Chris Hemsworth would do with him instead. <laughs> yeah, his arms would be too big. I was watching this movie. I thought, this guy's Captain F in America. Uh-huh. He's got like pythons. And so they make him wear these big baggy sweaters throughout the movie. They, they try to hide it in that uh, diner scene with that with that white uh, textured sweater there. Yeah. You're not hiding the <laughs> <laughs> No. So uh, like oh. if you can barely hide Chris Chris Evans, how are you going to hide Chris Hemsworth? That's okay. I'm okay with that. I, I say we go all out and we put him in a cut up tank top and just let him really show off his uh, like fat Thor. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, fat Thor. I love that. Marta, the only other person. Uh, again, she. I was so drawn to her, so I can't see anybody else doing much better with the character than she did. But I would like to see maybe Genesis Rodriguez's take on the character. Um, I don't know how familiar you are with her. You've seen I, her. I'm not. Okay, you've seen her in hours. If you've seen Tusk, I've not seen Tusk. Heard a lot about it. Okay, okay. Well, then our listening audience has <laughs> hours, and they've seen Tusk, and they know who Genesis Rodriguez. <laughs> Um, and she is she kind of fits that same bill she's a little more of your conventional beautiful actress than maybe this one is yeah who again i'm I'm not taking away from her stunning beauty or her eyes or performance or anything like that but but genesis rodriguez a little more conventional Okay. But I think it could still deliver. So I'd like okay. to see maybe what she does. I am going to Google that after the show. Yeah. I will uh, let you know if I agree or disagree next week. So stay tuned next week. Big things coming in episode six. Uh, is that that's that's primarily your casting there? Yeah, I, I didn't take it too much for the nice. Just go with the top three for me. Right on. Mine is a little different. I, w- I, I looked into I try to look into who else they would cast in these roles. If you know what could have been. Like this person applied. We all know Tom Cruise and uh, Iron Man, those rumors, that kind of deal. So I I like this. I like this. I was trying to find out like who else might have been casted, but the best I could find, because all I could find was about, excuse me, news about the uh, Knives Out 2 cast. That's all I could find. But I did stumble upon this article that talked about if this movie was made in the 90s. Oh, wow. That could be tons of fun. I, I'd love to hear this. So I wrote down the, the major ones. Uh, as Marta, um, someone of the same celebrity, it would probably be J-Lo. Okay. As Marta. That could be fun. 90s Knives Out. Tom Cruise as Ransom. Wow. Okay. <laughs> Interesting. You know, he's... Uh, what was Tom Cruise doing in the 90s? Interview with a vampire? Oh, yeah. Uh, everything. What wasn't Tom Cruise doing in Mission the 90s? Impossible. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, there we go. Yeah. The Mission Impossible franchise. Um, yeah. 90s. Okay. Yeah. 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 So it's, it's there. Like he's got the, 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 the celebrity star power. 
Gene Hackman as Richard, Jamie Lee Curtis's husband. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's an interesting choice. I just, I, I really do like Don Johnson, and he even would have been big in the 90s, maybe. Oh, yeah. But not Gene Hackman big. It's hard to top Gene Hackman. Uh, we, we've we talked about Royal Tenenbaums. I've talked about Royal Tenenbaums a few times here. Yeah. Uh, Gene oh, Hackman yeah, is a, a force uh, <laughs> on, on screen. So, mm-hmm. yeah, hard to top that. Uh, Carrie Fisher in Tony Collette's role. Okay, I would like that a lot more. So <laughs> I think that would, well, what you were saying about her over-the-topness, I think Carrie Fisher might give it a little bit less, like turn the dial down a little bit mm-hmm. so that it's, it doesn't come across as overly campy. I, I I could definitely get behind that. I could see her uh, toning down that role a little bit, delivering those lines a little better. Uh, mm-hmm. If it were written exactly the way it's written here, I could see that delivery making a little more sense for me. So yep. yeah. And the last one as Benoit Blanc, we take the 1990s Samuel L. Jackson. Wow. And now my mind immediately goes to Pulp Fiction. yes um so somehow we get travolta in here and and we just have a good time i like it (laughs) (laughs) but yeah that that's 90s casting if you i think that could still be a good movie oh yeah definitely i mean you you shake those actors up throw them in anything they could do a wonderful job so fun fun casting there uh maybe uh or Bruce Willis in somewhere too, and you got a party, but yeah. Oh, there you go. That's some <laughs> 90s star power right there. Absolutely. The next category is what has aged the best from this movie. It's still a recent movie. It is the most recent movie we've talked about. And only two years later, there are a couple things I have noted as what's aged the worst. But my my nominees for be- aging best is Anna de Armas's career. Uh, her, her star power is just, just the stock went through the roof on her after this. Uh, and the influence of the game and movie Clue. Yes, this, in, in pop culture, <laughs> this must have brought Clue to a whole new generation of uh, people of mm-hmm. film connoisseurs, <laughs> yeah. whatever. Uh, yeah, Clue is is wonderful. If you've not played Clue, if you've not seen the movie Clue, it's so much <laughs> fun. If you've yeah. not read the comic book Clue, uh, published by IDW, you definitely should. Um, wow, <laughs> Clue is is a lot of fun and. And I'm with you there. That that movie clue number one in this genre, in my opinion. Yeah, um, it, it's nice because you can show people this movie, younger generations, and say, "Well, if you like this movie, you'll like Clue." And usually, that's what uh, what people go to after when they think murder mystery. Do you have anything? What's age the best for you? What's uh, what's your thoughts on that? You know, that was a hard uh, question for me to ask myself when I was watching this, as you stated, and as I did earlier in this podcast. This was brand new to me. This is my first time watching this movie. And again, I kept myself completely in the dark up until the point where I watched it. I didn't know anything about this movie. So I don't have a lot of knowledge to pass on. I've watched it two times, which is the least amount of number of times that I've watched a single movie that we've done for this podcast so far. I didn't really find anything that... uh, that aged well, probably only because it's so new. I couldn't mm-hmm. do much. Yeah, that's that's a very valid point. I thought about this, and and it's a question you got to ask yourself when you get to those existential questions, like how how recent should we go? <laughs> sure, and uh, and it's fine. I mean, it's great that you were able to pull something out. I was able to pull something out for worst. Hear that? Yeah, go. Let's jump right to that. So worst for me, and I I feel like this is. Uh, of course, you know, it's it's only 2022. This is yeah. still going on. But 
I could see this being dated very soon, I hope. And, uh, and <laughs> I know exactly what you're talking about. Already a little played out, and I don't want to hear about it anymore. We've got the use of the phrase SJW, the neo-Nazi stuff, and the alt-right troll stuff. Look, I'm fine with interjecting politics into comedy. I get it. American politics is very comedic at best. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no it's, offense to anybody listening yeah, but maybe <laughs> sorry my apologies you can but, say that you're 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 <laughs> i can't say that <laughs> but um it's that i feel like it dates it yep. i've talked to people before um i won't give out too much here about my political stance or anything that's sure. not what we're here for yeah, this that's true. political podcast but i would say that i'm uh much more concerned with uh, human rights and things of that versus, sure. I don't know, uh, other things that don't apply. Yeah, yeah. So to hear things like social justice warrior yeah. is a very cringy term to me. Sure. I, again, I do feel like it dates it a little bit. I feel like that is a product of this moment. I really hope that in five years from now, kids will be asking their parents, what the hell SJW yeah. is? And, and You're right. <laughs> and I was watching that and thinking, I'm like, you know, these terms, I know I hear those terms and I think anywhere from 2018 to 20, 2020. <laughs> and I know those exact years because that was, that was, it's just a, you're right. It timestamps it in a negative way. I don't know. I feel like there's other ways to convey that same message without being a little more, without being as on the nose. Sure. They were a little, a little heavy with it and it didn't take up a huge portion of the movie. I, yeah, right. I can only really think of two, maybe three scenes where this is even brought up, uh, yeah. but it is brought up when we're introduced to those two characters whose names I can't think of off the top of my head, but the yeah. troll and then the yeah. girl. And then it, it's brought up there. It's brought up a little later when we flash back to the party and everyone's kind of sitting around the couch talking and, and they're clearly talking about an ex president of the United States yeah, who's yeah, yeah. not in office anymore, instead of outright saying it, which which I did feel like was a good writing choice, not name drop anyone or anything. Uh, of course, we know what you're saying by saying red hat. It does put that date on it, which is fine in certain contexts, but do we really need that in a murder mystery fun ensemble cast movie? Yeah. I don't think so. I don't think I want to go back. 20 years later and watch this movie and then be brought right back to that. <laughs> yeah, that's true. That's the wrong thing I want to remember in this movie. Yeah. <laughs> there are other better things. So that's, that's definitely a shared opinion. Cause that was the only thing I, I, I have written down. Okay. Um, <laughs> that, that definitely aged this movie in a negative way. Would the film have spinoffs if it was made today? This is a, obviously a terrible question, not really suited for this movie, <laughs> but well yeah. Now this movie's getting sequels with in, in outrageous amounts of money thrown at Ryan Johnson. Yeah, I wrote that down. I, I took a note here and I'll see if I can find it. Uh, this was just my little excerpt that I took from an article that I read that in March 2021, it was reported that Netflix had agreed to pay $469 million to the rights to two sequels written and directed by Johnson with Daniel Craig reprising his role as detective you say the name Benoit Blanc filming for <laughs> knives out Two began June, 2021, a lot of money thrown at this thing. Yes. So I think that there answers the question that this movie was obviously about Benoit Blanc, but it wasn't at the same time. It's going to be interesting to see him go from this adventure to the next. And of any character I'd want to follow, it would probably be, be him. He got the most interesting stories like the follow-up to Marta, like the after 
<laughs> the after effects of Knives Out mm-hmm. might not be as fun to watch as another case with Benoit Blanc. Yeah, there's not much there uh, for for these characters that are that are left behind in the family and uh, intermediate friend group and, and all of that and workers uh, or yeah. the help as they're referred to. Uh, there's not a whole lot more story to tell in a fun, creative way. Yeah. Other than just hearkening back to this, so so yeah, I agree. Uh, it, it'll be a lot of fun to see the two sequels that come from this. Hopefully they're great. Where does Nicolas Cage fit in this movie? <laughs> well, <laughs> funny you ask that. Um, <laughs> you I, almost like you saw it coming. <laughs> I didn't want to, in my recasting portion of this, go ahead and just throw him there. Uh, I, I didn't think that would be fun, but, but I would like to see him as maybe Harlan. I think that he would be very interesting as that character. I don't see Nick Cage pulling off what Daniel Craig did as well. He's a little too over the top for it. And I don't want to hear him try to do that Southern uh, accent or or whatever. But but I do think that he would be interesting in small parts as Harlan. Okay. If you don't take age into consideration. Yeah. Yeah, I think you, I think he could pull it off of all the characters. um, Yeah. Harlan. And uh, I was thinking Jamie Lee Curtis's husband there. Cause he's kind of, the same celeb stature as yeah. Don Johnson at this current moment in time. So mm-hmm. that well, was my choice. He does have a uh, meta movie about all of his roles combined together coming out. So, so maybe he's a little more um, not relevant, but, uh, but something, but, but yeah, I, I get that. He, he could definitely do a wonderful job with that role. The reason I say Harlan is because he is a little over the top in my opinion. Now. Yeah. yeah or sorry, if we take things into consideration such as age and, and stuff like that, yeah, Nicolas Cage is much younger than... I mean, we can de-age people. Why the hell can't we make them look older? <laughs> <laughs> they did it for Cap, uh, Chris yeah. Evans. Yeah. Yeah. And, we can throw and a beard on uh, Nick Cage and put some wrinkles in. It'll be all right. Is there any quotes in this movie that popped out at you that you kind of either chuckled at or you thought you'd, you'd remember after the movie was done? All right, you go first. Because I need some setup for this. Uh, <laughs> it's all good. I I thought when Chris Evans first enters the the movie, walks in and uh, hears Benoit Blanc talking, he says, "What is a CSI KFC?" <laughs> <laughs> that was a very funny line. A, a funny, quick uh, one liner there. Yeah. He throws it, uh, Daniel Craig. I, I like that a lot too. That was fun. Um, I'll I'll definitely give you that one. My maybe not most quotable because who the hell is going to remember all of this? But yeah. my favorite <laughs> line of the movie. I think okay. you know where I'm going here. Um, let's see if I don't butcher it. <clears throat> I spoke in the car about the hole at the center of this donut, and yes, oh yeah, <laughs> what you and Harlan did that fateful night seems at first glance to fill that hole perfectly. A donut hole in the donut's hole. But we must look a little closer. And when we do, we see that donut hole has a hole in its center. It is not a donut hole at all, but a smaller donut with its own hole. And our donut is not whole <laughs> at all. <laughs> I love that line. And if somebody quoted that to me, I'd be very happy. That's phenomenal. It, the delivery of that that whole monologue, it was absolutely incredible from Daniel Craig. One of the best, probably, even it, you put out aside James Bond, mm-hmm. that acting, I think, was the, the pinnacle of Daniel Craig's career thus far. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. And it's good to see that he can still get in and do something like that and have some fun with a character like that after being somebody like James Bond. Uh, yeah. that, I feel like that's great. That shows 
a lot about Daniel Craig that I absolutely. The other quote I had was when he tells everybody in the living room to eat shit, eat shit, eat shit. One of the most memorable scenes uh, of the the movie. And with that, why don't we just jump into our favorite scene of the movie? My favorite scene of this film was a pretty long scene, but it goes over Harlan's so thought overdose. Yes. (laughs) Of the morphine. uh, And especially where Marta, Marta begins to cry uh, when we when we get that shot into her eyes and like I said she's so captivating already and her eyes are so piercing and when they yep. swell up with tears and everything she's really delivering that for me I really connected with that character in, in, in a big way there and then of course the scene goes on um, and it goes over them planning uh, her cover up of the involvement and everything so that whole scene there it's pretty long but that was my favorite in the movie absolutely I have that written down I can share my screen it's, I swear to you best scene Harlan and Marta overdose yes okay <laughs> yes yes I, I see i didn't know if i should write overdose and then i said it doesn't matter these are for my oh, yeah. not sharing my notes oh, spoil by the way there's spoilers in this episode <laughs> <laughs> yeah that 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 whole bit where they slowly unravel that the overdose wasn't actually an overdose and the toxicology <laughs> report uh showed that is it's just the layers of this film really show and that is such a pivotal scene that if something gets doesn't get delivered properly in that scene, nothing makes sense in the future. It's fun because you're up against Marta, who's who's very emotional in the scene, very scared, very mm-hmm. she's delivering a, a, a lot of emotion here. And Harlan is so straightforward. He's so focused. He he's got this plan that he comes up with on the fly to where it almost makes you think, or are we supposed to think? Was he planning this for a long time? Was he just waiting for something serendipitous to happen? Yeah. Uh, um, so he could do something like this. Was this his ultimate uh, murder mystery that he was writing, you know, in real life? Uh, and I think it leaves it, you know, kind of open. Of course, you wouldn't really expect something like that because it's a little too over the top. But yeah. the way that he delivers that, his sternness and his uh, ability to to work right through it as Marta's very emotional and very worried about him dying. All he's thinking is, no, we've got to make sure you get out of this. Okay. So that's what we're going to do. I'm dying anyways. Let's go. Yeah. Christopher Plummer. I was every word. I just, I could watch that scene on repeat. I've never really watched a lot of Christopher Plummer in my life. Yeah. Likewise. But seeing him in there, it was kind of like when I first watched some Paul Newman movies, I'm like, damn, I, I watched the sting. I'm like, damn, I got to get more either Robert Redford or Paul Newman. The same thing happened when I watched this movie. I'm like, Christopher Plummer, this guy reminds me of anybody's grandpa. Yeah. And I, it's almost like he's at the height of his star here. He's very elderly. And of course he passed away. What? Like a year or two after this was filmed. I believe so. So, so that's sad. You really won't get any more of him after this, but, uh, but it makes me want to go back and look through his back catalog and, and try to track some of that down and, and, and watch his performances. He's, he's wonderful. And when I did Wikipedia him and, and saw some older photos of him, uh, a wonderful, outstanding looking young man, <laughs> I'd, I'd love to see some of his other work. It, yeah. it um, and it's, it's the only scene he's in in the entire movie pretty mm-hmm. much so that the fact that they can do so much with such a, a small scene really blew me away uh my runner-up was uh when ransom shows up and he calls him csi kfc tells everybody in the room to uh, eat shit do you have a worst scene in a way there's 
again, going to be caveats here with my sure. reply to that. And and I feel like what it is, is this movie kind of does take you on a ride. Uh, it, it, it's almost a roller coaster. You start out not really going up that hill, but coasting along. You're getting all this great all these beats introduced to all these wonderful characters and you're having a wonderful time with it towards the end of the second act for me start to get a little stagnant. If I'm being hundred percent honest, uh, I feel like it needs to go somewhere and where it goes doesn't quite work for me. At what point in the movie did you, did you say that to yourself? I would really think uh, right after we end that car chase around that time, I kind of wanted to see a little more resolve or something. I felt yeah, like we introduced a little bit too much plot that had to start getting wrapped up and, and it was a little much. For that reason alone, I'm going to say the car chase. I enjoy a great car chase. We talked about it, not so yeah. much car chase, but a, a car ride or whatever. Yeah, for sure. um, and, and car chases can be a lot of fun and they're filmed in, in, in fun ways and it was a fun car chase. And it was great too how... Uh, they were driving a smaller car and able to go in between the alleyways that some of the cops weren't able to. And, and so I, I did agree. have fun with that, but I felt like once we got there, uh, the payoff was lacking a little bit. So for, for me, for that reason, that's my worst scene in the movie. I read something. It was a little tidbit that they actually referenced baby driver in this movie. Yeah, I, I did notice that. And I read somewhere that Ryan Johnson said, well, I'm not going to try to one up baby driver. Why, why would I waste my time trying to go for a chasing? That's not going to turn out like baby driver. So he made it a little bit the way it is. And you're right. It, I don't know if it fit. I'm not a huge car chase fan. Yeah, exactly. And really, in all honesty, that's where it fell apart for me. I could appreciate the car chase enough. Sure. It's whenever we got out of the car and we went, to the laundromat. Yeah. That's where it started to fall apart for me. I, I just thought, damn, I was having a wonderful time. And now I'm starting to feel time go by in this two hour and 10 minute movie. Yeah. It really could have been cut back to like 90 minutes, in my opinion. The last question on the docket is, what do you rate this movie out of 10 and why? It is sitting at, sitting at, it pretty much is at 97% on Rotten Tomatoes. Yeah, uh, a highly rated Rotten Tomatoes score mm. there. So look, I explained some of the reasons why I've come to the score that I've come to, and okay. I'll go over those. And this is a wonderful movie. From the second that I turned it on and I had mentioned those opening shots, how much I loved them, how much I loved this cast, even though it didn't unfold in the traditional way with a lot of twists, it was just a a great time to watch and, and wondering what was going to happen next. Yeah. I had a wonderful time with these characters. Uh, Daniel Craig really blew me away with what he did here because I don't always feel like he's as likable as he is in this role. The actress who played Marta, who a, a name again, please. Anna Armas. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I was, I was blown away with her performance. She really reeled me into this thing. I, yep. I had such a great time watching her every moment that she was on screen and Michael Shannon Holy shit. <laughs> I, I really loved his role in this. Wonderful first viewing. It was a wonderful second viewing. When I when I knew everything that was coming, I still had sure. a wonderful time. But then, again, we get to the end of that second act. We get into that third act, and it starts to weigh. It starts to feel a little long. One of the biggest things that's going to pull me out of a movie is pacing. Pacing is an art. We talk about line delivery. We talk about 
the way things are cut, scores, the title of the movie, the movie poster, all of these things. And they're yeah. so, so important. Um, but if you have all that and the pacing is off, it doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. It takes away too much. Um, but I do give it an 8.5 for those reasons. I hate to keep dishing out high grades. <laughs> I feel like all I do is go nines and tens. <laughs> It's not what I want to do all the time. So maybe we're going to stop avoiding, start avoiding really good movies. I'm going to give this movie a nine out of 10 because of what's involved in this movie, because of the structure of it. You're right. Actually, you know what? I'm going to amend that 8.5. I don't just do halves on this show. I'm going to say 8.5 out of 10 because of the slower pacing near the end. But the characters, the story, the twists, I all enjoyed it the second time as much as I did the first time. And I can't really say that about movies, let alone murder mysteries, a light girl with the dragon tattoo that I didn't want to rewatch. I, I don't know if I could rewatch the girl with the dragon tattoo. Yeah, I exactly. enjoy watching that. That's, that's one of those movies you watch one time and maybe enjoyed it. Does it have a rewatchability factor? Not, not for me, not for no. you. <laughs> could I go back and watch this movie a third time this week? Yeah, I, I really could rewatchability is one of like the most deciding factors when I'm reading a movie. So 8.5 out of 10 from both of us, uh, another unanimous uh, one for the record books, log it. <laughs> do you have any final thoughts? Any, any last words, any shout outs? Do you owe a uh, fan a shout out? Maybe I had a wonderful time with this movie. Mm-hmm. It's something that I probably honestly would have overlooked just because i didn't know the premise it's not something that was in my face enough in 2019 when it came out even though i'm very big into film and genre film and and, and what all i can say is i had a wonderful time watching and reviewing this movie for me to have never even read a plot synopsis for a movie watch it a couple of times and give it an 8.5 score (laughs) is phenomenal in my opinion again a caveat here being uh a five is a movie that was supposed to be a movie and I watched and, and it, <laughs> it did was. everything it was supposed to do. An 8.5 is an amazing score mm-hmm. for, for a movie in my opinion. Um, I had a wonderful time and I appreciate you introducing me to this movie. I'm glad we could open your eyes to the world of knives out. Now you're looking forward to the sequel. That has been another installment of real good movies. I'm Jer. I'm Dan. Thanks for listening. Good night. This might be the best thing that could ever happen to you. Thank you. Eat shit. Eat shit. Eat shit. I would slap that smug smile. Definitely eat shit.